Welcome to this webinar series, Physical Activity Researcher Podcast and International Society for Physical Activity and Health, ISPA, have started a collaboration. We have edited their webinars to audio-only podcast versions, so you can listen them also on the go. Some of the talks refer quite a bit to the slides, so if you want to later check them also, you can find the webinar versions on ISPA's YouTube channel. Our mission is to advance science and share scientific knowledge, so if your organization has relevant webinars or lectures and would like to get more audience to them, please let us know. But without further ado, let's jump to the webinar. So what we have coming up next is Dr. Ben Mailer. He is a postdoctoral researcher based at the University of Leicester. His research interests focus particularly on the role of sedentary behavior and physical activity in the prevention and treatment of chronic diseases, in addition to the development and assessment of analytical methods, which aim to improve the interpretation of quantifying physical behaviors. Hi, my name is Ben Mailer and I'm a postdoc researcher based at the University of Leicester in the UK. My research focuses on the role of sedentary behaviour and physical activity in the prevention and management of chronic diseases. As part of that, I work within a small group based at Leicester specialising in accelerometer data. So my talk today is going to focus on the processing of sedentary behaviour data, but also including some data handling and cleaning procedures that are important to consider. So, as Jen referred to in her talk, posture is an important component of sedentary behaviour. Now, plenty of studies using accelerometers worn on the wrist or hip might refer to inactivity, which is time spent below a particular acceleration threshold during waking hours. But the ability to determine sedentary behaviour based on the posture is really limited to thigh-worn devices. Uh, a study last year was published and reported that uh, if you wear a wrist device and a thigh device at the same time, the wrist device still underreports sedentary behaviour by, by approximately an hour, which is quite a, quite a large uh, bias for, for um, our field of research. So my talk today is going to focus on the, the active PAL, which is uh, widely used in the field of, of sedentary behaviour research. However, I will stress here that um, you could wear any accelerometer, any triaxial accelerometer on the thigh uh, to, to measure the same outcomes. In fact, our research group earlier this year published a paper where we compared four different accelerometers, one of them being the ActivePal, uh, that were all worn on the thigh at the same time and found that the, the postural outcomes, such as sitting, standing and stepping, were similar across the devices. So you don't exclusively need to use the active bell. So for those of you entirely new to this type of data, if we asked a participant to wear an active bell, for example, for a seven day period, we would be generating files that were approximately eight to 10 megabytes uh, in size. But then if we were to then uh, decompress this into the raw data format, uh, as, as you get with a lot of other risk-based devices, 
um, these files can be up to 300 megabytes each in size. So um, one of the first data handling considerations is, is really the, the amount of storage that you need based on the amount of participants and, and the number of times that you're going to see them because this can quickly um, amass to quite a large uh, storage demand. So the, the data itself uh, can come in a raw format, however there is plenty of options now with, with the software or softwares uh, to generate uh, alternate ways of, of packaging the data. So you can go right from, from raw based data uh, to epoch based data where the, where the data is summarized for every 5, 15 or 60 seconds. Uh, and then event-based data, which is summarized purely by when an event uh, or a behavior type changes. Um, different software uses different formats of this data. So some will need the, the raw data, uh, others just use the event-based, or, or you might write your own that just uses a, an epoch-based um, data format. Um, I've just given a few examples here of some of the, the software available that, that I've used or that I'm aware of. Um, so there is the proprietary software, so for example, ActivePal, again, has its uh, own software suite where you can, where you can uh, download the data but also generate these types of outputs that I just mentioned. Uh, you also have uh, software like Acti4, which is available on request through ProPass, and that uses a MATLAB um, compiler to, to run, uh, that uses the raw data as well. Um, Processing Pal, which has been developed at the University of Leicester, where I'm from, uh, is a Java-based platform, but that uses the events file, which is a little bit smaller than the raw data. Um, you will also see in some publications uh, reference to uh, in-house processing, which would simply be someone developing their own algorithms or, or their own um, functions to, to actually generate the, the variables of interest themselves. Uh, and there are there are other ones that I haven't mentioned, which I don't have time to today. But um, I'm going to focus on the on processing pal because that's the one that we use uh, within the University of Leicester and the one that I'm most familiar with. So when we've sorted out the device that we would intend to use for our data collection, and we've we've gathered our data and we've got it all ready and on our computer ready to run, uh, we're we're ready to process it. And this stage can vary drastically in terms of the time commitment based on the approach that we use. Um, I just want to point out that although we're gathering objective data, it's very common now in the cleaning uh, of the data that we do apply some level of subjectivity um, and, and we'll explain that and explore that as, as we go through the, the demonstrations. Uh, it's really important that uh, all the procedures that we, we use are explained in a transparent manner in our methods because it can mean the difference between uh, comparing results from two different studies based on how you deal with this data before you analyse it. So thinking back to the definition of Zendry behaviour, um, we said that it's, it's done in a waking state. The first thing that's important to us really is to is to se separate the waking and, and non-waking data. So what you quite often see uh, in in the software or at least um, with, with the approach is that we will either use an algorithm to try and automatically detect where that sleep might have occurred or we will rely on a, a sleep diary. So we'll ask the participant to write down when they went to bed, when they when they fell asleep and also when they woke up. 
there are some problems with with this diary obviously you're relying on people um, accurately writing this down and and it's quite often in some studies that you might really struggle to get that that level of information back or you might not get it back from one participant at all and if you don't how do you then deal with their data do you completely ignore it or do you use something like an algorithm to to predict when they might have been asleep so um, I mean a recent paper by Carlson earlier this year actually compared uh, a sleep diary to to two different algorithms one of them is the processing pal algorithm and another one was from uh, the active pal software itself and they found that the the agreement between those two algorithms and what someone actually writes down was between 89 and 95 percent so it's it seems to be fairly accurate and especially seeing as it saves a lot of time to run through these algorithms um, however, there are obviously pitfalls, um, the same way we struggle to understand how computers, or at least I do sometimes, um, how they work. Uh, the, the algorithm sometimes isn't as accurate for some participants based on their behaviour, particularly I've found with, with restless sleepers or people who are highly sedentary individuals who might not meet the normal uh, criteria for, for what we deem to be a, a, a normal day. Uh, and then you also have the added problem particularly with some shift workers where they might have multiple sleep windows in a day and, and how an algorithm can detect that. So um, the important thing to point out is that the algorithm or the, the, the diary, neither of them will be perfect. So what um, Carlson recommends within their paper was that a blended approach of the two is, is, probably, is probably for the best. So what we'll do when we go through our software is show how we use an algorithm but then we also refer to the sleep diary and we, we really do just check the quality of the algorithm um, in terms of how it's performing and, and see whether we want to make some manual adjustments based on what the, what the person has told us. So the approach I'm going to talk about is, is the uh, approach mentioned in, in Winkler in 2016. So this was um, where they validated their algorithm for identifying the sleep window. And it's based on a few criteria. So the first uh, criteria is that it looks for at least a five hour period of continuous sitting. And we then assume that that is, uh, is, is the participant sleeping. So it finds that five hour window. And then what it does after that iteratively is looks at the um, maybe 15 or 30 minute windows either side of that five hour block to extend the sleep until it finds patterns of normal waking behavior. Um, and there's also some other caveats. So if someone takes less than 20 steps, um, then, then that would allow the algorithm to assume it was just sleep that was briefly interrupted, um, for example. Or if it was followed by, if someone woke up but then sat for more than 30 minutes in a, in a, uh, in a continuous bout, then they probably are still asleep. And uh, the typical sort of uh, criteria that we use for a valid day in our participants is that they've taken at least 500 steps um, over a 24 hour period, and also that there's at least 10 hours of waking wear. So that's just, um, it's not based on anything other than what we know about human behavior. And these are the sorts of things when we look at the software that you can see that you might change these based on the population of interest. So here I've opened up Processing Pal, which runs through Java. And what we'll do is I'll just show you a few files. 
um, and how we would run through that um, process of applying an algorithm and then determining how well the algorithm performed. So uh, there's just three participants that I'll include here. Um, we can see down on the left here before we actually hit the analyze button to run the algorithm, uh, we can actually change the criteria of, of how we want that algorithm to behave. So this 300 minutes for the longest bout is, is that five hour window that I just mentioned. And you can see things like this um, 20 step break, uh, which I, I also mentioned. So if someone takes, if someone wakes up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet and they take less than 20 steps, then uh, the sleeping window won't be interrupted. Uh, we typically always ignore the first and last day of, of our data analysis as well because we start the, the, the data recording uh, in the middle of the day and we're only interested in 24-hour behaviours. And then lastly, there's this validation settings at the bottom. So I just mentioned two of these, which is that uh, a 24-hour window should have uh, 500 steps completed within that 24-hour window. And then there should also be a minimum of 10 hours waking data. Uh, finally, we also put this cap on that you can only spend 95% uh, within one activity during the day because to stand up for 95% of the day is is um, unlikely and therefore is probably the case that the participant has just left the device um, laid a certain way so that the, the posture says they're standing when in reality they're not wearing the device. So these can be changed um, and you might change them based on your population and, and what you know. For example, if you have a, a very frail um, population, the minimum number of steps might actually be lower than 500 just based on their inability to engage in much physical activity. So that's all customizable. Um, we'll then hit analyze and this will just run those three files nice and quickly. And what we do at this stage is we run straight to the, the heat maps and what we're going to do is look at how this algorithm has performed for us. So we can see with this participant, all their waking hours data is, is in this heat map on the left and all their sleeping data is on the right. So going from uh, midnight up to 5.45, we can see the participant seems to be waking up around that sort of time. Uh, Monday to Friday, um, which makes sense to us because these were in office workers that, that did work Monday to Friday. We see that they had a lie-in um, on, on the Saturday, Sunday, also on the Friday there as well. Uh, and then we see that their their uh, sleep times when they're going to bed is, is between half past 10, 10-ish and, and 11. Um, so the consistency there is is nice to see and normally would say to me that the algorithms detected the correct behaviors. If we look over to the right, we can see a few small green strands throughout uh, the, the sleeping data here. And that's referring back to this um, 20 step break in sedentary behavior that I spoke about. So on the Saturday here, we can see that the participant has probably woken up at about 4.30 um, to use the toilet and then gone back to sleep for another few hours. Um, so that's where the algorithm um, is really good at detecting that. We'll look at the second participant. Again, we see fairly consistent sleep and wake times. Um, on the Friday here, our participant went to bed after midnight, but that's fine. 
we can always check the 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 wake and sleep diaries to to check that that was the case we see that again they're not working saturday and sunday so they've had a bit of a lie-in on that day too and again we see a couple of instances where they've woken up during the night um, but it hasn't interrupted that waking window then we'll just go on to our third and final participant so we can see in general it seems to have performed quite well um, there is this block here that's uh, ringing alarm bells for me though so currently the algorithm's predicting that this person woke up at about 1.45 a.m. Uh, and stayed awake until 11 o'clock now based on what we see on their other days they've woken up closer to 6 a.m. and that's when there's the next level uh, amount of steps here so the, the likelihood is here that this participant took more than 20 steps when they went to the toilet or let the dog out and therefore the, the waking window wasn't carried further. So within the software this is where the subjectivity part comes into play. If we're measuring sedentary behaviour currently for this day the participant has just under four hours uh, extra sedentary behavior because the algorithm deems this to be waking behavior so that's quite a, a large bias there so in this case i would look to check their diary and assuming that they'd put 5:45 as their waking hours um, i would then seek to manually adjust this so that it was correct so there is a simple function in here i, I won't go into uh, how to do it but um, you can essentially find where the uh, behavior occurred and tell the uh, software that we want to mark that particular time frame as sleep so I'll add that I'll click on update and then hopefully when we go back to our heat map when I hit refresh that window's now been removed and taken over to the sleeping window so I'm much more happy about that there are some instances up here later on for this participant as well where they might have either been sat watching television which was quite common in this group or they might have actually been asleep but just woken up a few times in the night so I might check that in my diary as well as I'm going through this. So once we've made any manual corrections that we need to do um, we've now got the data in a state where we're happy that the waking data has been segregated from the sleeping data. And what I've done here is I've pulled up the proposed uh, ProPass accelerometry construct which was published last year. This is a really useful resource that I uh, refer to um, normally weekly when I'm dealing with this kind of data just to remind myself about the possibilities of, of what could be done. So we see in dimension E here there's a biological state and this is what we've just done. So we've separated uh, wake time from sleep time. Um, if we then look at the top, we can look at intensity zones. So although we've got uh, sitting uh, being the main focus of this talk, um, there's obviously also standing and stepping of various intensities and, and running as well. So we can look across different uh, intensity thresholds. We've then got posture types uh, and bout durations as well. So particularly for sitting, we, we quite often look at periods of short sitting and then also these prolonged bouts which seem to be more detrimental to health. And then finally we've got the domain so 
I'm going to focus on work and non-work here. Um, if we have a diary where people have told us that they're at work, or it might be that you're researching um, adolescent school children, um, so it might be in school and outside of school, we can, we can look to generate variables for, for each of those domains. So just a brief summary from me really is uh, there's no correct device or even software or method when it comes to analysing sedentary behaviour. Uh, in terms of data cleaning, just some advice, um, a systematic approach is really important. Uh, make sure that you're keeping a log of any decisions, whether that's changes to uh, algorithms or manual corrections, just so you've always got that to look back on. Um, for consistency, particularly within a study, it's always best practice to keep the same person analysing the data. Because there's that level of subjectivity, it's really important uh, to reduce the bias between multiple people who might interpret what they see in a different way. Uh, finally, for, for data analysis, remember there's so many variables and, and ways of looking at the data now. Uh, when it comes to your research question, you really need to think about what combination of these variables best answers your question. So I hope that this overview I've provided over the last 20 minutes has been helpful in showing you uh, some of the considerations needed when handling and cleaning sedentary behaviour data. But more excitingly, um, the possibilities of what you can actually do with data now to help answer your research question. Uh, I look forward to answering any questions that you have after Seb's talk uh, in the Q&A session. Thanks. Thank you, Dr. Miller. That was a great presentation on how to uh, handle data and different aspects of consideration. Is there a published consensus on what aspects of data cleaning should be reported in the methods section? Or is there a, like a consensus on like what kind of, what level of transparency needs to be uh, published? Uh, good question. Um, so, I've provided a link to a paper by Charlotte Edwardson, which spoke about specifically with the ActivePal um, using that, and, and that does provide some information about the uh, the type of, of detail you, you should provide with your methods in order for the, for the um, data to be reproducible. <clears throat> so you're looking at um, things like minimal wear time, so what, what a valid day looks like. Um, the, the number of days is, is also a, one that is sometimes up for debate. So whether you include someone who has provided you with uh, two days of valid data, for example. Um, so uh, in most of our studies, we'll include people that provide a minimum of four. However, you, you I mean, in the past, we've run sensitivity analyses, looking at the, the two uh, below four and above four, and it doesn't normally change the, the outcome of, of what the study finds. Um, yeah, so I think I think um, those those types of papers, like like the Edwardson one, are a really good starting point. Um, and then I think our field's quite good in sedentary behaviour field's quite good in detailing that in the methods uh, now. So I would I would have a look at any recent paper as well and see what they've included. Great, and then. The software that you showed us, does it require any prior knowledge in coding or is it, can we like, in a, we pick it up off the street and just start clicking and playing with it? Yeah, so I just had um, a brief chat uh, with Audrey about this um, uh, in the Zoom chat. Um, 
So Processing Pal and another software like Active4 uh, basically hide the code for you now. So uh, even going back three or four years, uh, Processing Pal itself was an algorithm that you had to run through Stata. So it's all, you know, a big, bigger uh, document full of code, if you like. Um, but that's now uh, hidden. So it, there's now a user interface and, and you saw me using it. I'm, although I'm changing different variables, I'm not having to, to write long streams of code. So uh, in my opinion, that's really good. It's made it much more accessible to to research groups that don't have, um, you know, expert knowledge in, in whatever uh, coding syntax that their institution has. So um yeah processing pal and, and active four definitely don't use it you also have pal technologies which have their own um software that allows that great thank you very much thanks for joining us this week on physical activity research podcast if you like the show make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on twitter This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes. So be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.